tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Good evening and welcome to a special edition of Ghana Connect here on the Joy 99.7 FM. My name is Oreku Ampofo and it's been 72 hours since Ghana's shocking exit at the ongoing Africa Cup of Nations tournament in Cameroon. It's also the first time the Black Stars failed to go past the group stages of the Continental Showpiece in 16 years. What we know is that statistically, this is Ghana's worst campaign after failing to win a game at a major international competition for the first time in his history. Also, the team landed Thursday at 3 a.m. at the Kutoka International Airport. And since then, Keto Kreku, the Ghana Football Association, has addressed the media. Most importantly, today a crunch meeting between the Ghana Football Association and the Ministry of Youth and Sports did take place. 
and that meeting we are told has ended. I uh, will be joining George Ada Jr., Gary Al Smith, and Asha Komogisha, who's a Ugandan journalist, alongside Muftar Nabila. All of them would be talking from Cameroon as we try to make sense of what has been an active 72 hours in terms of Ghanaian football. Of course, Nathaniel Wato and I would also be here in Ghana and uh, we'll be connecting, trying to make sense of all that's happening concerning the Black Stars, the Ghana Football Association, and then the Ministry of Youth and Sports. We'll not be doing this alone. We want you to keep in touch as well because you make the show. We want to hear your thoughts on Coach Bill and Ryan. Should he go? Should he stay? Is he the problem? And you can later, when we activate the phone lines, uh, call us on 030 030-2216541 and if you do not want to speak but still want to contribute via WhatsApp you can text us on our portal 055-1111997 or 055-1111997 and you can also go on Twitter hashtag Ghana Connect share your thoughts let us know what you think about the Black Stars Melvin Vibach Ghana Football Association and everything about the shocking exit. We begin by making the trip to Cameroon where Joy Sports George Adu Jr. and Gary Al Smith have been there. Uh, they had the privilege of providing commentary right from the stadium where Ghana made history and failed to go past the group stages of the Africa Cup of Nations. Hi, Gary. Hi, George. Uh, first off, uh, talk us through you know, the experience commentating on such a historic game, rather on a negative angle, you know, how the whole mood was, what you saw in terms of the players, the technical team, and then after that you can take over and let us know everything else. Yeah. Okay, I think I, I think Gary Gary you start because um Gary went out with a tweet that we had really never run commentary for the Black Stars to lose the game. Little did we know that it was going to be <laughs> Gary. What what was your experience like, Gary, in the commentary position there? Well, um what I did tweet just to be, you know, for the purpose of clarity was that um we, that's you, yourself and myself, had never run commentary on a Black Stars game for the team to lose while we stood for 90 minutes. That is a record. Now, at the time, Ghana had gone behind. No, it's, I just tweeted that, and Ghana went behind because, of course, the first goal against Commonwealth came very early in the game. So a lot of people jumped on the tweet and said, it looked like your record is about to get smashed. But George, as you would know, and as we showed with photographic proof, the radio station behind us... Um, actually said we were blocking their view by standing. We were impeding their view. And so, so we should sit down. So that's the problem. about six minutes into the game, we sat down, which I can authoritatively say is the reason why the Black Stars <laughs> lost. So somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so so with, with having established that our record is intact, the GFA, if they know what is good for them, will ensure but in every stadium in the world, locally or abroad, in Ghana or outside Ghana, they will ensure that George Adedudi and Gary Al Smith will keep on standing for 90 minutes. In fact, they would provide 
a massage or a massage <laughs> to massage our legs. You understand? You know, you know, you know, you know the way in the Bible they said Jericho shall not fall until something was done. Once you keep on going up the wall, so in the same way, the GFA will ensure that we have somebody massaging our feet. If it is if it is instant pedicure, they have to do it for us. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, on a more serious note, welcome to Cameroon, um, the land of the land of what? Asha? What is it again? Uh, um, Asha Komogisha is here with me. The land of what? I'm not sure. Asha come partly comes from Rwanda, which is the land of a thousand uh, hills, a, a land of a thousand hills. Cameroon is a land of something, something. I'll find out. But um, it's a very cool evening after what has been a very warm day here. And uh, we've been following events with rapt attention back in Ghana. We will try today and offer as rounded a perspective as possible um, on what the situation is with the Black Stars. While, of course, peppering this discussion with as much African conversation as we can. Asha Kamogisha today is seated with us here in a capacity as uh, a Sky Sports journalist. She is providing coverage of the Africa Cup of Nations for Sky Sports, and that's where that's how she is here. George um, is in yeah. your own. George is in Yaoundé, the political capital of Cameroon, and I am in Douala, the economic heartbeat of Cameroon as well. Um, I don't know where Muftau is, but he should be starting this discussion by giving us the latest from the... After the former was summoned by the latter to what they called a crunch meeting, um, in response to again what they called an abyss at the Africa Cup of Nations, George. Yes, uh, Gary, we'll get to all of that in a bit. But um, Papa Poku is a sports journalist as well with Win to Me FM, and he is in Greater Kumasi. Am I right, Papa? Is it Greater Kumasi? Somewhere in between the two greatest. <laughs> Somewhere between the two greatest, obviously. We're going to be having a fantastic discussion. And and Rick Wampofu, I, I would just try and answer the question directly. Because, you know, we started the game hoping that the Black Stars could win against the uh, Comoros Islands. We're hoping that first goal was a sucker punch and it meant that we really had to set up. And then the Islanders scored the second and that, that really forced everybody to feel that this game was really going to be tough. And many people were losing hope at that point. Even those of us running commentary as professional as we will be, then the Black Stars managed to get two goals back and we're like, okay, what do we have here? At every point whilst I was running commentary, and I remember yourself and Nat, you were doing all the analysis and the statistics in there, telling us what we needed to do. But Gary Al Smith as well, alongside me at every point, was calculating. I could hear him in the background, even though I was focusing and running commentary. I could hear Gary say, we need one more goal. We need, we need a draw. A draw is okay to take us through. And look, at 2-2, it looked like we could, we could do something. And then the Black Stars conceded again the third goal. And it was, it was really sad. I think I went on and on and on and on. It was what lamentations and lamentations and lamentations in commentary position. But it was just about trying to describe the mood because it was a negative historic day. Such history that you don't want to get to. But we managed to write it. The worst in our history. And we put that down there. What's really interesting, Rick, and I think at this point, we'll just uh, remind ourselves of what has been happening for the Black Stars in the last 72, 72 hours. And for what he has achieved with Ghana, we firmly believe that this is not Matramakwe. This is not Matramakwe. This is not Matramakwe. Because he's done it. He knows Ghana. He knows our culture. He knows our place.
Chalud with the ball out to the right hand side then trying to find a nice way around the Ghana left back and he might go around Amate and now the ball is in there Mchanga still with a chance they hit the shot and it's the Comoros Island who have scored the first goal what a sucker punch for the Black Stars this was easy to find another Samoa Jack, you know, who was able to, to, to score from any, any position at any time. So definitely this team is, in, uh, um, this team is growing and uh, we are going to sort it out. So I- Sharing the pain of, of the entire country. At this moment, everybody ha- has a right uh, to speak or to share their pain. But at the same time, it's a moment that we need to cool heads. The journey to make the last stars champions did not start two years ago under my leadership. The journey started since uh, the last time the Black Stars won the AFCON. Uh, and, and the journey has been ongoing. The team did not perform like we expected. Why do you call them trotro footballers? Please tell us. Trotro is just a vehicle in those days. So anything that can eat cheaply, they acquire and use quickly and dispose of the trotro. Yeah, it's a seven-year 
Klein, and we're going to be getting into this little bit of the analysis. In 2015, the Black Stars made it to the final of the Africa Cup of Nations. In 2017, they made it to the semi-final of the Africa Cup of Nations. In 2019, were knocked out of the round of 16, and in 2022, were not able to win a game. That is our story. And the 40-year wait will definitely go on. Nathaniel Ato as well, our colleague, Joy Sports, is in studio. Riku Ampofu is here. But guys, I'm sure you'd agree with me if we start with Asha Kumugisha. She was watching on as a proper, you know, African journalist, uh, not a Ghanaian, of course. We'll be good to find out from Asha how she was reading all of this. The, the, the truth is, um, guys, I met Asha a number of times in the in the media room and she would give me a hug, a warm hug and say, I hope it's going to be better. Even when we were losing, she says, George, I hope it's going to be better. Asha, it wasn't better. How did you read all of this from where you stood, Asha? You know, it's uh, very interesting that you asked me that question. I remember um, before the opening game against Morocco, um, one of your colleagues, Benedict Owusu, uh, interviewed me to say, what do you think about the Blacksters going into the tournament? And the one thing that I told him was, from afar, I can see that there's a collision between two generations. You have an older generation and a younger generation. And for me, I felt that there's no team chemistry. Uh, you don't feel that these guys are playing for, for themselves. And I, I want to juxtapose that with uh, the super egos of Nigeria. If you see uh, someone like Ahmed Musa for everything that he has achieved for the super egos and being humble enough to say that it's okay, I can start from the bench, you know. We're not fighting against each other within the squad, uh, but we're here to try and create history. And who knows uh, if the Super Eagles can go all the way and uh, win the trophy. But I say that in relation with Ghana because I feel that, you know, you can see it. Look, look at the chance in that second game um, against Gabon. The chance, for example, that uh, Dede Ayu had had he passed the ball like you got that pass from i think it was uh P- P- pancel pancel i don't know how to pronounce that sorry uh but if he had just given him back that ball and not tried to look down and uh do it himself we could be having a different conversation now but that's just also to uh blame you know Dede Ayu and say uh that he was selfish in that moment. Absolutely not. But let's look around um, the entire tournament and the campaign. Did you feel that there was a moment where consistently for about 40 minutes that the team was dying for each other? Like fighting for each other. We saw that with Algeria in 2019. They fought for each other. We're seeing it right now with Nigeria in Garoua, same uh, stadium where uh, the Blacksters were playing against Comoros. We see that actually even in the Comoros team, the Gambia, you know, Mali, those players, even when you see them in the warm-up, you see a cohesion. Like, there's just something about body language. And I feel that the Blacksters, um, you know, did not show us that side of them. And perhaps you can go all the way to the friendly game against Algeria. I think that was enough uh, warning to say maybe the Black Stars are not ready uh, for the challenge ahead. To win a 2014 AFCON is a lot of work. By the time you get to the final, you absolutely deserve to be there. And for me, I'm not seeing that. I, I don't see that hunger. 
I don't see it, for example, between Dede Ayu and, for example, Pate. What we see Pate giving Arsenal is not what we see with the Blacksters, at least not at the Afghan here in Cameroon. Uh, so for me, that was very um, disappointing and really because Ghana is an incredible country. Um, and I say this as a Ugandan because uh, for many years until 2017, my generation had never seen the Uganda Cranes play at an Afghan. And you know that the last time we had played at the Afghan was in 1978 in Ghana in that final in Accra, you know, and deservedly you were champions. But can you imagine in my lifetime, 90% of the population in Uganda had never seen the Uganda Cranes play at an AFCON. So we've always supported other teams. Like you support Ghana because of Michael Essien, because of Asamoa Jan, you know, because of all the legends, Sami Kufour, because that's, you know, the attachment that we have. And to see them, you know, fall from grace, to, you know, not winning a game in the group stages, it's very disappointing. And that's, you know, the only way I can express myself in that regard. Right. Okay, Asha mutes for us. And uh, I've still got Gary, I've got Papapoku, but we have to go for my colleague Muftal Nabil Abdullah. He's uh, got a lot of juice. Remember today there was uh, an emergency meeting between the sports ministry and the Ghana Football Association. They had to discuss matters arising from the Africa Cup of Nations. Top of that agenda was going to be the future of coach Milibund Rayavach. Muftal, uh, how are you doing, doing this evening? Thank you very much for joining us on the special edition of um, Ghana Connect. And what can you tell us? What do you know? What have you gleaned uh, from that meeting that took place this afternoon? Okay, we don't have Muftal on the line. Muftal, are you there? Have we lost Muftal? Okay. It looks like we've lost Muftal. Yes, I can hear you, Muftal. Please tell us yes. what, uh, what you've so, so I was saying that the, mini- the meeting between the Ghana Football Association and the Ministry of Theatre Sports began at about 2 p.m. And within one hour, 30 minutes, were done. The agenda was quite simple. From the position of government, Milovan Rival should be sacked. And this is a blessing from the presidency. And um, the GFA, their position is that they don't want to start with Novan Rivers. They think that any new coach who will be coming in to take over the job would not have enough time to prepare the team for the final round of the World Cup qualifiers, which is going to happen somewhere February, March. So the argument from the Ghana Football Association's point was that the time is too limited to take a decision on the future of the Black Stars coach, which is Milovan Rivers. But what the Ministry of Youth and Sports communicated to the GFA was that it is a directive. And just to put this in context, uh, the day Ghana lost to Comoros, the government was so, so angry. And many of you would know that government already never wanted Milovan Rivers back as head coach of the Black Stars. Some communicators within the government had said that he, 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 was, he wanted to use the Black Stars as um, a package for his retirement. So they actually feel that Milovan Rider was not cut off for the job and the GFA gave him the job. So their position is that the GFA should do away with him. So the ministry actually thought they could sack him themselves until they, they had to do some consultations and they were told that you cannot sack the, uh, the head coach of the Black Stars. It will amount to interfering in the job of the Ghana Football Association. And that was why they released a statement. Um, someone in the Ghana Football Association to that meeting. And the communique was simple. 
who want to see the back of Middleton Rivers is done. You either sack him or you take the responsibility of running the national team alone. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Muftal. Muftal, thank you very much um, uh, for giving us the information that we, we needed so badly. So we'll move on to the analysis, but we're going to start with the Milo bits. We're going to start with the Milo bit, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to start with Papa Poku before I come to Gary. Papa Poku, my question is then, government wants the, the coach sacked, the Ghana Football Association thinks that it's not too um, plausible or prudent at this point. How much of the mess in... Cameroon was down to Coach Melvin Rybats. Papa. Yeah, you have to unmute. Yes, yes. Right. I think it's okay. Yes, we can hear you. Go ahead, please. Okay, so now, just as we are, uh, we are on a collision course, and we have to be very careful of that. If we don't take enough care in going about this business of the black stars eventually we are all going to lose we know who the pay master is we know the level of mistrust between the fa and the ministry or government during afcon immediately after afcon and all that constantly the ministry of youth and sports was briefing the presidency when they were in cameroon we understand the importance of the World Cup. But for the one who is paying to you to risk the World Cup and tell you that, look, regardless of the assignment we have, we don't think this is the right person to lead us. Boils down to one thing. The government has been fully briefed of the appointment of Milovan Rajevac. From the FA side, they got three people from within the FA to brief them on how Milo came into the fall. So when you listen to the media landscape in the last 48 hours in Ghana, a lot has been said about the appointment of Milo Van Rijbaard, including the anecdote about the agent who brought him for the first time in 2008. So clearly, the government isn't just happy with the performance of Milo Van Rijbaard. They've to understand the circumstances under which he was appointed. We believe that the longer he continues to be the coach of the Black Stars, the worse the situation is going to be. And the Ashantis have a proverb that Sutra Ben Ononoajin in term look. They believe that at some point in time, a decision needs to be taken because the performance of Milevan Rajavac isn't the best. Secondly, in convincing the ministry and government to accept the conditions of Black Stars and their budget and other situations before going to Qatar, the story of bringing extra help to facilitate the work of Milovan Rajevac at the World Cup was made. And every single thing was provided for, including the other hands we saw. Still, they couldn't deliver. The government just sat down and felt, look, enough is enough. Go and prepare the statement of termination and put it out there. The ministry is dragging feet. At best, you'll be on a coalition course because there's a very determined government who genuinely believe that what they had and what has been given them now isn't an improvement on the past. And so it's going to be like this. If you read the, the, the release from the ministry, the tone and the wording, you could clearly see government wanted to take a position quickly and then be fair with their position. They've done that. And nothing is going to make them back down. 
from the discussion I've had with a couple of people in there, they are so certain. And this is our time you go back and look at the posturing of the Because this thing came up, George. So clearly, it's either one gives in or we would set, be set for a coalition cause. Uh, uh, um, George, just, just to come in a bit. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, the I was ask you about the FA. And many people would recall how Joyce Walsh mm-hmm. ran this story from the very beginning to the last. It became extremely difficult for a three-man committee to, go, uh, to get their preferred choices because it was really difficult to convince the government that they should pay eighty to $100,000 for a head coach. So, one in, so, so let me mention some, some interesting names that, that had popped up. The last of Chris Hilton, many of us know him, former coach of uh, Norwich City, who has got links to, to Ghana. Lofton Mattel was also another coach who was considered. And then Heavy Renard. These were the three critical coaches they were looking for. Unfortunately, it became very difficult for the committee to actually convince government that they were going to pay them $80,000 to $100,000. Government was not willing to pay that. And if the committee made recommendations and it was becoming very difficult to convince government to accept, they needed to look for alternatives. Then we were made to understand that a member of the committee had said that he still has a very good relationship with Milovan Rivers. That was when Milovan Rivers came into the picture. And they called Milovan Rivers. He accepted the job immediately. So on September 13, they sacked Milovan Rivers. On September 14, uh, September 13, they sacked DK Akono. September 14, Milovan Rivers came into the picture. September 15, they prepared the contract between the Ghana Football Association and Milovan Rivers. And it came into effect on September 20. You see the trajectory of what transpired before Milovan Rivers was brought back. Talking about the, the discussions in relation to supporting uh, the technical team for the AFCON, it would interest many of us to know that when Otoado, uh, when it became very clear that Otoado was not going to be part of the technical team for the African Cup of Nations, one thing came up. They needed a replacement. The position of government was that we need a local man as the other assistant. Milovan Rivach reportedly told the the GFA and the Ministry of Youth and Sports that if it has to do with a local, then forget it. it he was straight. Then they should forget it. Okay, so when he told them to forget it, that was when they asked him, okay, now bring in your choice. He made two recommendations. And he personally settled on Mike Stankovic to come in and join, and join, and join the technical team. So it was, it was really difficult for the government to accept that we have to, to control to your demands and you still go out there and fail. So when you go out there and fail, the demand is that then you are not actually good enough to manage this thing. But I, I am looking at the issues and I feel it got to a point that even went beyond Milovan Rivers himself within the team. And you people, you were in Cameroon. We are in Ghana. We could all rely on what informants were telling us. But you saw the things one on one. So I think that you could be a better place to yeah. talk to the issues than those of us who were informed. Trust me, right. Milovan Rivers has said that team needs surgery. And the surgery he's talking about is not about quality in terms of players. It has to do with mentality. 
So it's really, really a difficult situation that we find ourselves at this point. Okay, uh, if you're joining us, you're still live on Joy 99.7 FM. We're coming away with a special edition of Ghana Connect. Uh, we have a special poll running right now on Twitter, on all across the social media platforms. You want to check it out. The question is, should Milovan Rivert be fired as Ghana Black Stars coach following the ex- exit from the AFCON 2021? You let us know what you think uh, with the hashtag Ghana Connect. Let me go to, let me, oh, let me come to you, Gary. Gary, let's talk about this because I want you to go through... Um, the arguments that the Ghana Football Association are making to say we must keep this guy. Uh, Muftal just gave us one of those by saying that the coach says that look, there's, there's a huge surgery that must be performed and um, it, 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 will, it will take some time and he really is the guy who has to do it. Gary, let's go through the FA's arguments on why they think the man should stay. Right, George, um, I think that it's, it's critical that so, I'm, I'm getting a bit of noise from somewhere. I'm not sure where it's from. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we have to mute Mutel's um, yes. phone. Yes, that's right. Okay. Yes. Great. So, um, Mutel asked that we, we take, you know, the baton from here, George. So, um, we were in that press conference together, weren't we, afterwards? Um, yeah. yeah. Some listeners may have seen certain stories out there that Milova Rahibat apparently responded to me and said that I'm, I'm, what, I'm an agenda journalist. So yeah. here, here's the context. We went, we went into the press conference um, about four, four journalists asked questions, all bordered on or were connected to the performance of the team and ended with something to the effect that, Milo, would you stay or would you go? Should you be sacked? That sort of thing. You know, Milo Van, through his interpreter, as we have long suspected, either he's going to sift the answers he gives or they are going to dodge it altogether. So when I had the opportunity, I went, I didn't, you know, beat about the bush. I went completely direct with him and I asked him and I said, Milo Van, if you were a member of the Ghanaian general public and Milovan Rahivat had superintended over this performance and I reminded him that in case he didn't know, this was how historically bad our performance at the AFCON had been. Now, when I asked him that question, he paused for a second. Because as you know, George, Papa Puku, as you know, Muftao, as you know, Milovan understands English Perfectly, it is the the expression of the English that you know he he does not want to leave to chance, which is why he needs an interpreter. But he understands English perfectly. Now, when I asked him that question, remember about four other journalists. So Benedict had asked him one, um, Countryman Songo had asked him one, um, Sadiq, Sadiq, I think, yeah, and one and one other person, one other person. From I think Metro also had asked him one. So Ibrahim. I was the first, Ibrahim, exactly. I was the Ibrahim, yeah. fifth person to ask him that question. So it was at that point that he said that he does not understand why he has come in a, to a post-match press conference, and it seems like an agenda has been set beforehand. And he repeated what he had said to Sadiq and Benedict that he has come into the job for one purpose and for one purpose only to take us primarily, and he said that's the primary reason he's here, 
to the World Cup. And that is why he's here. Now, where does that fit in the answer to your question, George? Mm. Um, the GFA stance, as we have known in Cameroon, even before the final game, George, we went to a couple of places. We were told that certain very, very high members of the GFA, indeed, the GFA president had had words with Milovan. After the second game, we were told that the GFA president had locked himself in a room with Milovan alone. And we could hear that there were words being exchanged because they had meticulously gone through the plan for the AFCON, how they were going to face Morocco, how they were going to face Gabon, you know, everything. And we were told that everything that the technical team had agreed on in terms of how to, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C of facing Morocco, Milovan had not done. In fact, it became so annoying to the technical team, we are told, that... The plan was to effect changes, you know, after X minutes, 15 minutes, 60 minutes. Milovan was not doing it. And nobody understood. And he repeated the same trick against Gabon. So after the game, the GFA president, as we were told, was so furious with the guy that he went into a room with the hardware and, you know, he promised, we are told he, he, he apologized to the larger technical team that this was going to change and he was going to listen to the advice of the people around him, which is what culminated in the more expansive football that we saw against Comoros. Now, based on that, the GFA believe that sucking the guy will be too hasty because the guy is now amenable to listening. He's now going to listen. And with the collective effort, they, they believe that if they had that collective effort from game one to game two, we wouldn't even have gone into game three with the, with the calculator with a Casio calculator. You know what I mean? So the GFA believes strongly that, look, Milovan has turned over a new leaf. Yes, too late, but the larger picture for the GFA is that, look, if you sack this guy and you pay him his compensation and you bring in somebody and you have to pay the person, let's give this guy the final chance. And they hack into, for example, the 2006 period where even in 2010, for 2006 for Ghana, right? Yes. Ghana had an abysmal, abysmal performance at the AFCON. But because we had qualified for the World Cup, everybody seemed to have forget, forgotten about it. Indeed, a couple of journalists, Michael Otier J, recount that when we were even leaving Egypt after the, the debacle of, of, of Port Said and all that, their pain wasn't too pronounced because, you know, Ghana had qualified for the World Cup. And so they were seemingly looking forward to that. Now, the GFS argument is that let's Let's have this 45 to 60 day period and sort this and qualify for the World Cup and we can all forget about it. And they believe that Milovan is the man to be able to do it. Another example they gave is the Algerian example. They had a catastrophic 2010 World Cup, a 2010 AFCON. And then they qualified for the World Cup and we, we saw how they, whatever, whatever they did. Okay. So that's the GFS argument. And that is why they are adamant that Milovan shouldn't be sacked now. The second thing they are bringing onto the table is, of course, the financial argument. If Muftar is on the line, Muftar, are you on the line? Muftar, let me, let me, let me come to I think you have, so that you... Yeah, let I me, think he's there, Muftar. Let, let, me, let me come to Muftar so that he gives us the financial, and then and then I'll just end by saying that that is the other thing they are, they are trying to impress upon the government, that look, we all know about the financial situation. It would not make sense to let this guy have come into the job for just these few months and take all this money home when we can 
we can work together to have one last hurrah in the playoffs and qualify. So, Mustafa, please think about how much he'll be paid if he's sacked now. Mustafa, Mustafa, are you there? Yeah, Mustafa is right here. Join okay. him here. So, Mustafa, yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's hear from you. Financial details. I mean, how? Is it going to, how much is it going to cost Ghana? What, what, what are the, what's the thinking as the final argument of the Ghana Football Association, money-wise? What, 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 the, the interesting thing is that um, Milovan Ram... Ah, oh, oh, Mufta is in studio. Nice. By God's grace, his private jet landed at car park. If yeah. the GFA decides to part company with Milovan Ravage right now, as I mentioned earlier, his contract <laughs> came into effect on... Um, they, it was drafted on September 15, came into effect on September 20. It will expire on September 19. And they agreed that they're going to pay him $30,000. If they decide to part company with him now without just cause, because that was what was written in the contract, without just yeah. cause, they will pay him the residual value of the contract. So what it means is that between now and September 19, when his contract will be expiring, we have about nine months. So that clears tells you you're going to pay him $270,000. Already, let's not forget, he's supposed to receive $100,000 sign-on fee. That $100,000 sign-on fee only heaven can tell. Then at this point, we are also talking about uh, how these all these agreements were reached before it was communicated to the Ministry of Youth. And that was one key thing that got the Ministry of Youth and Sport extremely angry. The contract between the Ghana Football Association and Milovan Rivers was submitted to the Ministry on 23rd of September. 24th, he was unveiled. So the Ministry felt that you concluded everything without their input, and now you are bringing it to them to finance. So the ministry, even when the GFA decided to write to the Ministry of Youth and Sports, telling them that they needed to pay CK a certain amount, the GFA could not indicate in their letter that the ministry should pay that money. That's why it is really difficult for the Ghana Football Association to have any proper negotiations with the ministry in relation to paying severance packages. And let's not forget, if Milovan Rival also decides to resign without any just cause, he has to give the GFA $200,000. That was what was written in his contract. So all these agreements have made it extremely very difficult for the two parties to come into agreement. However, there's a portion in the contract that says that the two of them can come into an agreement and decide to part company. If they decide to exercise that clause in that very contract, then we'll have something amicable. Other than that, at this point, it's really, really difficult. All right. Uh, we'll with that. It's important. Uh and remember that we are doing the show with you. So we'll go for quick, you know, comments that we've got so far, you know, via social media accounts. It's important that you want to join us. Our poll is still running. Manuel Kranti has got uh, a bit of the comments that we've got through. Manuel, what are they, what are our listeners saying so far? Um, how are they going along with the conversation? There's a lot more to come. Today, be at ease. It's a special edition. So a lot of things will change. Uh, we, we, we still got the a blank check. We can go all the way to eight. We know that. Manu, what, what are, what are listeners saying there? <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's, let's repeat that. Ghana, let's, let's repeat um, that. A lot of people let's, are yes. talking. In fact, on our WhatsApp console, the messages that are flowing through. Kujo uh, Aria from Kumasi says, let us revert to our red jerseys with the golden stripes because the players don't look strong <laughs> in the white jerseys. Papa, you are wearing white. Red jersey now. Yeah, okay. We'll be having a problem. We'll be having a problem. 
Kumasi is saying. Well, Stella Elinam from Who says, Good evening. Hmm. He should go. We um, have nothing doing with him anymore. He's tired. He should go and rest. I'm really dissatisfied with the whole team. And this one says, Ghanaians are not ready to drink any expired Milo anymore. Milo must go. Uh-huh. Hashtag. And that's from Kingsford Sepenu Nyatepe from Akachi Koega. And Ben from... Uh, says that I think we must be very careful in making a decision to sack Milovan Raivac at this crucial time. This may cause a confusion among the players. Meanwhile, we want the very best for the Black Stars. Once again, we must be careful because World Cup is just at the corner. And Kobe from Teshi says... Is the government really ready to pay more to get a good coach from Europe or we are going to take one of our own and agree that for the three years ahead of us, we are not expecting anything from him, but rather preparing ourselves for the future? Because as it is now, our own coaches are so bad that we cannot trust them. The coach can go, but you sports presenters of this country (laughs) will come and criticize because... um, uh, Okay, so he goes on to say some other things. That's uh, Kobe from Teshi. He's essentially saying that uh, local coaches cannot deliver as much as um, Milovan, Raivat, or other foreign coaches um, can. And so if we are letting Milo go, then we should close our mind to any um, trophy for the next three years. I mean, we've been on, on, that, on that journey for, what, 40 years already? <laughs> and uh, George, but, uh, we have a poll on Twitter. Um, yes. The question, should Milovan Raivac be fired as Ghana Black Stars coach following their exit from the AFCON 2021? You want to let us know what you think with the hashtag Ghana Connect. It's a simple yes and a simple no. For just 12 minutes since we, post, uh, we put that poll up, um, 85% of the uh, people who have voted say yes, Milo must go. And just 15%. Um, out of close to 500 votes, say uh, Milo Master. We'll come back with the comments that are on Twitter and Facebook also, George. Yeah, for sure, because we have we have time on this one. We are ending at 8 p.m. today, so we've got a lot of time to go through it. We'll hear from Nato, hear from all the guys. It's important that we go we go into this. So let, let, me, let me head back to you, Papa Poku. Um, you know, at the moment, and, and I like the, the last comment, and I want you to react to that last comment of, if you are sacking Coach Milovan Raivac, or if you want to sack Coach Milovan Raivac, who are you going to get? Are you going to get a top-notch coach? Are you going to get a top-notch coach? Or you're going to still do, um, can I use it? Matra Makwe. Matra Makwe. Who do you think to Kets? I'm sure he's listening. And to Georgia Free as well. And, and to Georgia yeah, Free. <laughs> <laughs> the original Matramakwe. The original Matramakwe. <laughs> <laughs> I see Mr. Atolafi in the studio. Uh, yes, Matramakwe. Yes. <laughs> Oste- ostensibly, the, the plan is yeah. to have a stopgap. The government would be happy to have a local coach fail to qualify for the World Cup than Milovan Ryabac still be in the dugout and then fail to qualify us for the World Cup. <laughs> Se- secondly, Papa, the government... Mention the name they've already recommended. Them, Let's move on. George. You will get to the name. We'll get to the name. I want Papa to make the, the case. Papa, they are just comfortable that a black man or, or they are comfortable that a Ghanaian should be in there if he doesn't qualify, doesn't qualify. The, the and they worried about are we qualifying or not? Okay. The presidency has now accepted that the Ghana Black Stars don't have the materials to win the AFCON and also qualify for the World Cup as they had prior to the AFCON. 
Okay. Anytime you spoke to the minister for youth and sports, he would tell you, look, we can win the AFCON, inshallah. He, he always added that, inshallah. And then mm -hmm. I'll be looking at him quietly like this. <laughs> now you could see. He says, inshallah. Yes, he says it. And he's mm. By inshallah, it means that by the grace of God. <laughs> so now it is normal. Absolutely. No, 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 this grace, this grace needed more grace. That's what he's saying. Absolutely. Mm. You see, mm. he believed the materials were good enough to win the Afcon for Ghana, and that it is only God's touch, the grace of God that is left for us to win. Hallelujah. Now we didn't. Allah. Now we didn't win. <laughs> they, 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 look, they, they sat down. And then he asked his deputy, so what exactly was happening to these boys? What is the problem? Then the deputy tells his boss, boss, ever since you left me, I've had a change of mind about this team. Mm. The, the coach isn't good enough, and the players are not at the level. Then his deputy raised that, look, the way Guinea-Bissau, Equatorial Guinea, and Sierra Leone, now that is the reference point for the ministry. <laughs> that, that they don't see Sudan. Gambia, Gambia. So um, they took the Comor, was it Comor? They took, no, not Comoros, they took one of the lists and found out Sudan list. He picked a Sudan team sheet, brought it to Ghana and showed it to his boss and said, look, the Sudanese had a player from Hungary and then Sweden. Even those people were on the bench. But the way they... No, it, wasn't, it, was, it, wasn't just, it wasn't just Hungary and Sweden. It was Hungary second division and Sweden second division. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you very much, Gary. <laughs> so they used that to explain that, look, there isn't desire, there isn't application, and there isn't intensity on the part of the Black Stars. So they believe that, look, the Black Stars have gotten to the point where it must be properly rebuilt. They must have a direction. Because in November and early December, they had been convinced that all that it took was a peaceful campaign in Doha, inshallah, and then Black Stars will be there. So there is a rethink, a general rethink at the ministry. And if you read their statement, they would want to play an active role. They feel they are detached. They are just there. They are spending officers. The FA would come to them like they came with the contract of Milovan Ryabach. Oh, we are going here. Please pay for us. We need this. Please pay for us. We take us here. We will do this, and then we will win you the trophy. They feel that if they are really the spending officers, they must have an active role. I must hint. At some point, they were looking at calling some of the ex-footballers to meet the President of the Republic as early as next week, but for the Bogosu issue, so that they find out why the FA is unable to convince Ghanaians who were born outside the country to come and play for them. Well, from that, whilst we were in Cameroon, the Ministry of Youth and Sports was engaging both Nigeria and La Côte d'Ivoire, who have done a seamless rebuild by getting some of the best players from their country, and also those born outside. It surprised me when people from the ministry mentioned that Sebastian Allais was born in France. He's played in the Netherlands for Utrecht. I asked, well, are you sports journalists now? Uh, <laughs> they are reading. How did one manage to get him? They, for the ministry to know about Joe Aribo and that he played for Steven Gerrard at Rangers, and then, oh, Nigeria didn't even bring the guy who should have played. They, they didn't get his first name. All they said was Etebo. And I told them he's Etebo or something. And that <laughs> even the Etebo didn't come, but the Aribo guy is playing very well. And that they made Okocha convinced he will be. So now they are informed. 
they don't understand why we are not getting quality materials from within and from without. So the president is actually interested in having a long-term project. So in recent times, or from tomorrow, the moment you hear anybody from government or the ministry speaking about black stars, they will be referring to the five-year development plan again. But what is the plan for Ghana's football? They don't believe there is one. So it's a general rethink on the part of government that has led to this, George. Let me, let me bring that in. And you see, uh, I like the point that you made about the plan because we, we were not paying attention. But from 2015, we're sliding. Uh, we didn't really pay attention, but we're sliding. So a, a plan of a sort must be in there. But now I want to look at the other issues. You see, but the other issues about the squad that we took to the competition, you know, the loopholes, injured players, waiting for players to come, all of that, you see, put in one. We would like to say that Coach Bilovan Ryabat is the head of the technical team. That's it. And, and if every, every technical decision definitely was by him. But not, we know that, no, that is not the situation. Just a feeling that there are other problems uh, that made Milovan's job difficult. Not. All right. So um, today we were having a conversation in the newsroom and a very important point came up. A very important question. The question about our technical director and where our technical director is in this whole big mix. Muftal, 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 you know where he is now. Now, um, it, is, it, is, it is very, very important to, to understand the way everybody works. You know, I'm glad that Papa is talking about, you know, convincing, you know, Ghanaian nationals who, I mean, Ghanaians who are born in other parts of the world to come and play for our respective national teams and all of that. Yes. You see, it is an art and it is a scientific process. We need to go back. I know I'm deviating a little bit, but I'll come back to the point. You see, we need to go back, research properly about what kinds of methods these people are using. You see, let's, let's use the example of Kalum Hatsunodoi, for instance. I have communication with uh, a very good friend of his father's in the UK, who's also Ghanaian. If you'd all remember, it was very, very difficult. I mean, stone tight um, to get Kalum Hudson Odoe to possibly even walk into a studio to grant an interview. And this is because of the, 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 the paranoia and the mistrust that the player and his management as well as his parents have for our own system here. And you ask yourself, why? Don't we have professional media houses here? Don't we have world-class journalists here? We do. But why that mentality, which is also clouding a possible reasonable judgment in arriving at whether you want to feature for the Ghana national team or not. So I think that as a collective, we all need to take a back step and do a proper assessment of what Nigeria is doing right. And guess what? Nigeria is not only recruiting, uh, you know, doing this kind of recruitment process in football. In, in fact, they're actually doing that in athletics and other sporting disciplines. And that is even applying to people who are not even or do not have any Nigerian blood at all by naturalization. You understand me? So there are many other options that we can adopt when we want to do all of this. Now, back to the point. So I'm asking a very big question about the technical director and the kind of role he's expected to play in this whole big mix. Where was he in the whole confusion? And what role did he play? Was he a part of the contingent that went there to play 
in Cameroon? If he wasn't I'm not there, sure. why? I'm not sure I saw because him. Because this is supposed to be the this is supposed to be the primary operation or the flagship operation of all of our football. Every single thing that we do as a football nation, the flagship operation is the senior national team playing at the biggest platform that football offers to all Africans. So where was he? And if he was he was not involved in any of this, then why the disconnect? And we as a nation are supposed to have moved poles and poles ahead of all of this. You understand me? Now, if he was... I'm, I'm just looking at the hypothetical situation where the technical director was heavily involved in what we were doing. Okay, Would so we have... Yeah, 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 go so, ahead. So, Mr. Uh, uh, Atto, yeah. one, one thing that we need to understand is that yeah. the technical director's engagement is supposed to structure a foundation for the development of football in the country. Hmm. The Black Stars, you've indicated that, yes, it is the primary um, product of the Ghana Football Association that we all cherish. But the technical director did not have a role to play. His role to play, when he was playing a, an influential role when Sikakuna was in charge. But since Milovan Riva took over the Black Stars, he has never played any key role. You have raised a very, yeah, very big point. So, yeah, so that's yeah. even, even, even in one of the meetings, right, with the president of the Ghana Football Association, and, and I, I, earlier I had, I had Gary mention that when he met the GFA president, Milovan Rivac reportedly told the GFA president, if you want to coach the team, come and take over. This was a man who was stamping his authority on most of the decisions he wanted to take. Mm. And that authority, before you go on, and that authority is one of the main factors that led the FA, and for that matter, the football public, to accept Milo um, to, to come for, for a second stint. Okay, so, so uh, let's not forget one thing. Um, I, I, sh- I guess many might have seen a post I put up yesterday saying that the GFA president is taking bullets for some others' incompetence because the back stops with him. There were so many things that the GFA president can even absolve himself from. He can't say that the decision of the coach to go with injured players was not his doing. He can't say it. Because when they had that conversation of going with a team ready to compete, the argument was that some of the injured players will be available when we progress to the next stage of the competition. You've not kicked the first ball yet, but you're already thinking beyond the group stages of the tournament and that injured players were going to come. I remember I sent an email to Ajax, and when Ajax replied me in relation to Kudus Mohammed, they said he was fit for training and not fit to play football. When I asked the conversation surrounding Mubarak Wakasu, I was told that doctors are working on Mubarak Wakasu to be ready. These were technical decisions. They were not administrative decisions for the Ghana Football Association. Those are two clear things we must understand. You ask the question about the technical data. Is the technical data coming to argue with Milovan Rivac why you're taking injured players to the tournament? In 2008, George, in 2008, the then yes. executive committee of the Ghana Football Association had an agreement. Let's not go into a tournament with players who are injured and would not be available for even the first match. What changed? Where was that agreement put on paper by the then executive committee of the Ghana Football Association? If they had that on paper, 
and Keto Krikwe and his team came into office, why did they not insist to Milovan Ryevich that we have this in place and we are not going to accept you taking injured players to the tournament? Trust me, if Mubarak Wakaso was fit, he was going to play an instrumental role. If Mohamed Kudus was fit, he was going to play an instrumental role. And probably the conversation we are having today probably would have changed. But no, Minovan Rival decided that he wanted to go with these players. And at this point, it is Keto Kreko who is taking the flak for the incompetence of his very own team. Unfortunately, yes, Mutao, interesting thing. Mm. Now, uh, just a quick one on on that line. Uh, Unfortunately, Keto Kreko has made comments that suggest that we should hold him responsible for player call-ups. He, he's made comments that has pushed him right under the radar. He, he, he's made comments of his own that, 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 is, that is going to make us hold him. Those comments were made here. Those comments yes. were made here. But his advisors, his advisors have told the him. One. Move out. Move out. No, I'm maybe talking about the recent one. Forget the last year. Forget the last forget year. Forget the last year one. Yeah. Yesterday's one. Yesterday's one. He says that, show me a player like Messi or Ronaldo. And, I'll and, I, will, and I will include him. That's what he so, says. So, oh, so indeed, no, he has made that comment. We sought to suggest that he can include <laughs> players into the national team. But Milovan Rivac, even within the corridors of the Ghana Football Association, they've accepted that he's a man they cannot push over. We agree, Muftal. You, 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 you have a fantastic line. Yeah, Muftal, you have a fantastic line there when you make the point. But you feel that the Ghana Football Association themselves also are guilty somewhere that there are some players in the squad that they have also found their way in there. So you can't complain. No, 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 no one can argue about that. No one can argue about that. And 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 George, before before you go on, uh, uh, Muftal okay, has yes. raised a very important point here. Excellent point. Uh, that goes to that goes to to to. To, to strike some worry. Worry in the sense that when we get a Milovan Rajevac in our team, we're ready to put our hands behind us and listen to him and do as he says. Mm-hmm. When we have a CK Akono or the like of his nationality, um, you know, of his nationality, which is Ghanaian, then we can push around. So, as we look forward to taking that decision, um, probably, you know, to, to switch him or to change and probably go get a Ghanaian. What are we looking at? Reverting to a time when we possibly are going to be pushing the person around? Food for thought. I think, I think pushing the person around there is, is quite a difficult one. CK Akuno, though he was pushed around, he had the backing of the people that paid him. He really, really had the backing of those people. As to how they were still able to push him about is what I cannot tell. I do remember, interestingly, when they were having some funny conversation about how they should create a room to be able to invite or invite certain players who are officials or, or who are affiliated to officials of the Ghana Football Association. Clearly, some of them said, we cannot do this. And and trust me, I had a conversation with George Afriye a couple of days ago. George Afriye mm-hmm. said that during their era, he made a suggestion to Maxwell Konadu, the current assistant coach of the Black Stars. Maxwell Konadu reported him to the former president of the Ghana FA, Kwesin Yentechi. And Kwesin Yentechi summoned George Afriye to the executive committee to answer questions why he's trying to interfere in the job of the coach. CK Akuno had the power to determine who makes the national team and who stars. But I think he did not exercise that power. I'm not sure. 
If CK Akuno decided to extend and move that, this is where we are coming to. Papa, just a moment. Let's get on to that. George, 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 just just a second. George, okay, quick. George, just a second. Just a second. I know, I know the conversation is getting pretty heated, but we have to go for a quick break right here. We promise you, we'll continue right on where we left off when when we come back.